It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, JT, back with you. Hour number two, the breaking news today. Jarrett Stidham will be the Raiders, start, Raiders starting quarterback going forward. We'll talk about this for the next couple of days. It changes our preparation for the 49ers. Larry Kruger is going to join us in a moment from the Bay Area, longtime sports talk host. We'll get his perception on the 49ers and what they think in the Bay of the Derek Carr breaking news today as we are ready to roll here in hour number two of the show. We are brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas. Proud of that great relationship with Boz and the whole team. Behind the scenes there, I love this partnership. You know, my DNA starts off at that property where I met my wife. Now it's Virgin Hotels. The theater is unbelievable. The restaurants from one steakhouse where I see my buddy, John O'Donnell. The acclaimed restaurateur, Michael Morton, his brother, David. Everybody behind the scenes over there. Head on over to Todd English's Olives. Go to the Shag Room and our podcast, which we do in the lobby of the hotel every month or so. I just want to thank our proud partner, Virgin Hotels, for all these support that we have here on the flagship of the Raiders. Longtime friend Larry Kruger joins us in the Bay Area, 95.7 The Game, also the Krug Show on YouTube. And Larry, big day for us down here in Vegas. You saw the breaking news on Derek Carr being benched for Stidham. How is that playing out in advance of the Niners coming to Vegas? Well, I mean, it's a, it's a different look. I mean, they have, there's not a lot of film on Stidham. I'm sure they're going to be scrambling to, to watch his film, everything he's done in the league, all the way back to Auburn. I mean, he's a pocket passer. Uh, he's got a strong arm. Um, he doesn't have great mobility. So the Niners have struggled a lot, JT, this year with mobile quarterbacks, really for the last few years. So uh, I'm sure they'll do their due diligence. <laughs> you know, as you know, in the NFL, there is no stone left unturned. and There'll be some quality control guy who will be you know, making his eyes basically bleed trying to watch film of Stidham to give uh, the Niners some advantage and some intel. Well, it's an advantage because Derek Carr is a hell of a player and he's been a good player for the Raider organization as you've covered him throughout the years here and the Raiders are going in a different direction and I was really hoping if the Raiders didn't lose some of the games they lost this year, and I'm not just reaching for this, I'm talking about real games, the Baker Mayfield game, this recent one against Kenny Pickett who couldn't do anything I mean literally anything until the final drive, that Derek would come out of this game in a must-win game right there behind the Dolphins for the playoffs going up against Brock Purdy. We were hoping that this game would have been Carr versus Purdy, and now I'm watching Purdy, and it seems like he's killing it with the playbook. What has changed with Brock Purdy since the time he got in there for the first time and his development in the last few games? I would say absolutely nothing has really changed, and this kid has been remarkable. Um, I noticed it in minicamp, and I've talked about it in July. And I, and I tweeted that I thought he was the best quarterback in their camp. He was definitely the most accurate. He was easily the most. He moved the team the best in the preseason. He's a four-year starter who led Iowa State to four bowl games. And he's just, he's he's got a compete level that is off the charts. And you just don't know that until you're around a guy. But that's really, I think, the key. 
Um, his stature, they're, you know, they're bigger guys, but he throws a pretty good ball. Mm-hmm. He's really smart. And, you know, he also, I'll tell you, the, the other factor on this kid is that he had a one five five ten 10-yard split. That's a remarkable number. That That's 95th percentile. So he's got elite quickness. It reminds me a lot of a young Russell Wilson in getting away from the pass rush. Larry Kruger joins us. There's a lot of luck in life in football, and I thought the Niners took advantage of some great luck. You covered the story as good as anybody. Jimmy Garoppolo and the injury, they couldn't move him for a bag of footballs. And the Raiders are looking to do the opposite now with Derek Carr, right? What do you think they want to get for Carr? A lot in return, especially ahead of a draft if they can pull off a trade. They couldn't move Jimmy G. He's hurt, the injury, Trey Lance, the injury, and then they go to Mr. Irrelevant. This was never a part of Kyle and John Lynch's vision of going on a Super Bowl run. And now it's working out, and they're going on a Super Bowl run, Larry. Yeah, and, and Kyle Shanahan said something last week that was really revealing. He said that with Brock Purdy in there, he can call the game the way he feels it should be called. And what he really, what we really took away is what he didn't say there. Is that basically he's inferring that he couldn't do that prior with, the, with Trey or with Garoppolo, that he kind of coached around the quarterback, that he managed the quarterback. Now he feels confident that, that Brock is, is competent enough and accurate enough and has good enough footwork in the short game that he can basically call anything he wants for the situation. So I think the addition of despite the fact he's a rookie, he's such an experienced rookie that it's kind of it's kind of freed up Kyle Shanahan to just focus on what you know, what plays, what sequence of plays, you know, are gonna be best in a certain situation. I think that's that's given Kyle a lot of confidence and it's given the team a lot of confidence. Larry Kruger is our guest. Please subscribe and watch his show on YouTube. It's really good. The Krug Show, also working on 95.7 The Game. You know, Larry, it's, it's remarkable to me because normally a young quarterback has a stinker game. There's one looming, right? Veteran quarterbacks have a bad game, and I'm just sitting here going, well, where's this kid's bad game going to be? Like, when's he going to have a game where the other team, the defensive coordinator, really kind of figures him out? But then I look at the Niners' personnel, with the addition of McCaffrey and the health of Debo going forward, but Ayuk and Kittle, the Raiders really struggle with Travis Kelsey. I mean, to the point where he's going to the Hall of Fame a lot of what he did against the Raiders in different regimes here. And you see Denzel Perryman's out, Chandler Jones is out. Are you expecting Kittle to have a big game here in Las Vegas because of the Raiders' inability to guard the tight end? Well, I'm expecting Kittle to have a big game because Kittle has had an absolute bust-out month since Brock yeah. Purdy showed up. And if you walk, watch Brock Purdy at Iowa State, he had a tight end there named Kohler that he you know had limited skills, but he made him you know one of the best tight ends in the conference. So I, I personally, you look at Brock Brock Purdy. If there's a real strength in his game, as far as you know, common denominators that we've noticed in the first month of watching him. He's really good at throwing that pass over the linebackers with a little bit of loft in front of the safeties and threatening down the seam. And that's where Kittle, I mean, he's also, you know, you know this, JT, the run after the catch is a, is a, you know, a stat that's attributable to wide receivers and running backs, mm-hmm. but it's really the quarterback that provides that with his ball placement. And we're seeing that with his incredible ball placement. The Niners receivers are getting run after the catch they hadn't gotten prior. Larry Kruger is our guest. You know, Larry, I think one of the biggest stories I've been saying on my serious show 
is that the fight for the number two seed in the NFC to me is everything. Philadelphia went away. They ran and hid to the number one seed. Unless a collapse here, getting Jalen Hurts back, they should have it. The NFC should go through Philadelphia. But if the Niners can get that second game in Santa Clara instead of going to Minnesota in front of those desperate fans who are much more desperate than any fan base to make a Super Bowl run again, that puts Purdy at home. It with one game to the NFC Championship. Have you been talking about the number two seed and how the Niners have an opportunity to overtake Minnesota, especially with Minnesota having Green Bay on the schedule? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, when you're really a good football team, you don't, the players themselves don't concern themselves with seeding. They're just mm-hmm. putting their heads down and trying to be the best whatever they can be on a particular day. So I think they even oversimplify things, but absolutely. The 49ers are not coasting home here, resting up for the playoffs. They're geared up. Uh, this team this team is one of the most physical teams in pro football. And, and, JT, the stat that absolutely jumps out is teams playing the Niners this year are 0-13 the next week. What um, was that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What was that? Teams that have played the Niners this year. Every team that has played the Niners this year has lost the next week. The only exception was Kansas City, and the only reason they didn't lose was because they had a bye. Okay. So wow. every team that's faced the 49ers has lost the next week. They are an incredibly physical football team on special teams, on defense, um, and they leave, it, they leave a mark. You know, and that, to me, it's, it's something that I know Kyle Shanahan takes great pride in because he quoted that stat the other day in the in a sit-down with us. So um, that's something they're very proud of. They're, they're fast, they're physical, and um, right now they got an offense since Purdy you know, has been leading the show that's scoring about 30 a game. Their defense has not allowed even a 60-yard rusher. Forget 100-yard rusher. Whoa. They haven't allowed a back to go for 60 yards against them this year. So I think, you know, I mean, uh, Jacobs is obviously one of the best in the game, but... Uh, that's going to be interesting to see if the Raiders have any success running it. Wrapping it up with Larry Kruger. So a couple of big picture stories. You know, covering the Niners here from a distance, I really thought that Kyle wasn't in trouble, trouble, but it was kind of getting a little dicey. Thought he was a little cocky with the Trey Lance thing, like we're the smartest guys in the room. You didn't know what we were going to do. He gave up the farm to get him. And he had Jimmy, and they didn't do anything to keep Jimmy, and they got lucky to have him. And then all of a sudden, Mr. Irrelevance playing like a pro bowler. So Kyle has had a lot of good luck here, and maybe it's all self-made because he's great at preparing quarterbacks here. How has it changed this season with the temperature of the 49er fans with Kyle Shanahan as he's waiting to break through and get this team back to the Super Bowl? Well, I think you, you, you really described that perfectly. I mean, he has had tremendous goodwill because he came on the heels of a number of guys that struggled. Um, and he was better than them, and they went to the Super Bowl. Um, but then there were the patience was starting to run thin, and yeah, Trey wasn't developing, and and what was what were you going to do at the quarterback spot? And I thought you were an offensive guru, and you know what people questioning his usage of Trey uh, when Trey got hurt on a run, on basically a run between the tackles, and yeah, I mean things were about to get very very uh, pointed at Kyle and John Lynch, and then suddenly I think you've seen a number of John Lynch's pickups. I think in a lot of ways, JT, it's not just about Kyle, it's about John. John saved this season because the 49ers were going to play the Rams. If they had lost to the Rams, um, mm-hmm. they would have dropped to 3-6. and six. They make the, McCa- the, the Christian McCaffrey addition, 
if they hadn't made that trade, he probably goes to the Rams. If he goes to the Rams, that was the game where he did everything and beat the Rams. He may do everything and beat the Niners, and the Niners drop to three and six, and the season tumbles out of control. So, in my opinion, John Lynch's timing on the Christian McCaffrey trade changed the tenor and the feel and the kind of the whole feeling of this entire season. Larry Kruger joins us from the Bay Area, great sports talk host, longtime friend. So let me throw this out because it's breaking news with Card today. Where do you think Jimmy Garoppolo ends up? It's a great question. I would say uh, Indianapolis is going to have a lot of interest. I, I could definitely see the Raiders having interest. You got to remember the Raiders, as you know, the Raiders have have a you know the, the New England connection, right? The head coach mm-hmm. and the and the general manager are both yeah. New England guys. So I would say the Raiders would be on absolutely the short list. And I'll say this: if Jimmy plays in the future, the way he played this year, JT, he eradicated a lot of the hugely negative plays that he made by just being patient and throwing the ball away and going to the next down, something that Rodgers and Brady and several of these other quarterbacks just have done naturally. Jimmy never has done that. Uh, I think he's thrown away fewer passes in the last five years than almost any quarterback in the NFL. But he's learned to do that this year, and the differences were huge. If he can just avoid the huge negative play, he's actually a well-above-average NFL quarterback. Larry, finally, Max Crosby's a hell of a player, and Nick is probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year just because of where the Niners are. Tell us a little bit about Nick Bosa and what you see. We don't know a lot about the intangibles. We know a lot about Max because we cover him here. We see him in the community. What's it like covering Nick Bosa? Tell us something outside the box that you learned about him. Well, I mean, he's, 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 like a, he's like an 18-year veteran. You know, you think of all the great defensive ends and how they could still rush the passer even when they've lost a step. Bosa's got all that knowledge, but he's still in the prime of his career. Everything about the guy is tied together. His feet, his hands, he's just been well-schooled. Daddy was a D-lineman. His brother's a, a phenomenal D-lineman. He's just really, really high-end. Then he's got functional everything. He's get, you know, there are guys that lift more in the weight room, but this guy's functional strength is greater than theirs. There are guys that are faster than him in the 40, but his functional speed is greater than theirs. Um, the motor is nonstop. I mean, it's, it, he's, he's probably one of the best run defensive ends, run defenders at the defensive end spot I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he's, just, he's one of those guys that just lives to rush the passer. He keeps things really simple. He takes care of his body. He's got tremendous power in his legs. And he just, to me, the thing that's most noticeable is the motor. Mm-hmm. He just never stops playing at a crazy, you know, breakneck speed. And then also they allow him to really... Uh, they put a lot more pressure on you because they go with this four defensive end alignment with a Menehue and Drake Jackson inside and Ebukam and Bosa outside. And having those four pass rushers and playing these TE stunts and ET stunts, all the games that Coach Eric likes to play, it's, a, it's, it's just the, the depth, the talent, the speed, the surrounding cast, and then him as the ringleader. He's probably the most difficult defensive end to block in the whole league because of it. Larry, a pleasure. Always good talking to you. I hope your family's well. I hope to see you soon and in the offseason, if not at the Super Bowl. And thanks for joining us on the Raider flagship today. We really appreciate you. Anytime, JT. Always love talking with you. You got it. Larry Kruger, one of the best guys I know in the business. Class act. We've been, uh, been at a couple different stations from KMBR, now 95-7 the game. And, you know, this is taking a little bit of the edge off of me in preview in the 49ers because of the breaking news that Jared Stidham named the starter today and Derek Carr going to the bench. You know, I wanted to dive into full 49er coverage.
you know, the last big thing that jumps out at me is sitting at M Resort on Christmas Eve with the Raiders ahead at the two-minute warning about to beat Pittsburgh, saying, okay, all they need is one more stop, a tip ball, an interception, a sack, a strip fumble, get off the field, they're going to go for it. On fourth down, they stop on the extra push. If the Raiders win that game, I don't know what happens today, but I'm led to believe that Derek Carr would have been coming out of that tunnel. I'm led to believe that in my mind, but I don't know if that's true because this is a real, real tough day business decision inside the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. Robert in Portland, thanks for waiting. You're up next. Go ahead. Yeah, JT, uh, thanks for having Kruger on. Uh, you know, he's a great guy, mm-hmm. but I am I, I don't agree with him about Jimmy G being a candidate for Vegas because, as you said earlier today, we need a mobile quarterback, and I think that's the primary problem with Carl, although he can be mobile, but not, not to the point like Lawrence did in that Jacksonville game when he ran for 21 yards when they were third and long. Remember, remember that play in the second half? That's the kind of stuff I think that McDaniels watched, you know, firsthand. And he's going to probably go in that direction and get it. He was a younger guy. I think that a lot of the money that's going to be saved by not giving Derek that big check it's going to go uh, to probably the offensive line yeah. and as, as well as maybe even trying to bring Jacobs back. I just think that, uh, you know, it's not the end of the world here. Purdy is a perfect example that if you get the right young guy, and they were lucky on that one, yeah. although they, I, they made their own luck, I just think it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's just we're just at that point in, in, in today's football game that you said earlier we got to have a mobile quarterback and, and, mm. and Derek is very good about he might go to the Giants for all we know but yeah. the point is we need a mobile quarterback without a doubt yeah I would agree with you there could be a chance that Derek could go to a team that's better than the Raiders there's a chance that could happen until the Raiders prove that they're a better team than the record I mean Derek's going to have tremendous options the problem is I've been in the room I've been in the room when Derek says that he, he won't play for anyone other than the Raiders well, now Derek's got to change that mind. He's a young guy. He's got a great family. I don't know. He could still be here. He could still be here. There's a lot that could happen here. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself on this, but I thought Derek would have been here for a while, and it changed today because of the business side of the sport, and it hurts because he could have won here. Now, did he have a lot of chances to win here? No, I don't think so, but last year he played his ass off. The year he came here in front of no, no fans, he played his ass off. This year, he played his ass off. He just didn't have a good year. He didn't have a good year, and you can point the blame at the play caller, at the offensive line, the defense, the lack of defense, the soft defensive coverage on third down where everybody moves the chains on the Raiders all day long until recently where the Raiders are getting off the field and giving the ball back to Derek, and they're going three and out. Remember, Derek could have played great this year and, and, and maybe kept this position. We don't know. It's about the contract today and him being protected from injury. That's why he's not the backup. I got people tweeting, why isn't he the backup? It's disrespectful. You're missing it. Chris in West Oakland. Been a Raider fan since day one on this show. What's happening, Chris? Hey, JT. I I firmly get it right now with what the Raiders want to set up. I mean, let's be honest. They might mathematically be in a lie, but they're hanging on by with basically on a ventilator at this point. If there's no sense to run him out there, I, I kind of think the handwriting's on the wall. Somebody's going to be a scapegoat. But if they do want to bring him back, they can either rework the contract or 
like you said, if he goes out there against the Niners and gets hurt, and you know, it's a long-term injury, then then there then the options off the table for both people. I don't blame that. But what I want to talk about going forward here, and this isn't the slings and arrows. This isn't the the blame game. Sometimes after so many years, whether it's a marriage and a football, it's time for a mutual parting of the ways. I've said for a few years now. I understand sometimes why people say they want to move on from Carr. I said, why wouldn't Carr want to move on with the, from the Raiders? Year after year after year, he gets saddled with the defense, but he's 30 and low, always in the dead last one or two in turnovers. Again, I'm not exonerating Carr. He's definitely taken a step back. You know, the last three years, only Carr and Tom, Bra- only Carr, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers completed 68% of their passes and 4,700 yards. For whatever reason, this wasn't a good fit with the offense. They didn't go no huddle. They didn't let Carr do what he does best. I blame that part on McDaniels. But, again, I'm not here. You know my feeling about McDaniels and Patriot assistance. I wanted to keep Rich Bisaccia simply because after the tumultuous season the Raiders had a year ago, I thought the guy earned a second, at least a second year to see what they can do. But if this is it for Derek Carr, look, I know there's going to be a lot of classless people out there. I know some of the stuff I've already seen on the Internet. This guy was a true Raider. Hell, most people would have wanted to be gone from the organization five years ago with what he's had to put up with. The guy showed a lot of class, a lot of dignity. He was a true Raider, and if he is truly gone, I salute him and thank him for the last eight or nine years because I got news for people. Yeah, it hasn't been what we wanted, but the Raiders would have been irrelevant probably for the last eight or nine years. The reason they were a 500 team sometimes is because of him. Five times in eight seasons, they finished in the top 10 in offense. Never once has he played with a top 25 defense. By and large, he's made some mistakes, some bad plays, but for the overwhelming majority of the time, it was on the defense why this team wasn't a playoff team. So I hope he moves on. I hope he finds something better. Oh, one other thing. He's not just going to get traded wherever the Raiders want. He has a no-trade clause, and if I am Derek Carr, I'm going what's best for me. I'm going to finally go to a team that's got a good defense and is ready to – where maybe I don't have to go out and score 35 points to win every week. So we'll see how that happens. But i just like to thank the guy for his service for the Raiders. He's been a true Raider, and I do believe he deserves a little class of dignity going out the door if this is it. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you later. That comes from a diehard fan, a guy who never missed a game. I think, but one in Oakland his whole life. So, again, I, I think the world to Derek, too, and a lot of people are going to say that depending on what happens here. We don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot that could change here. But it looks like Derek Carr is done with the Raiders. It looks that way because he's benched for Jared Stidham. He won't play out the final two games. His contract most likely won't be picked up. And then he's going to most likely be used as trade bait for a big move, a big trade. And hopefully the Raiders get something valuable in return or something else bizarre could happen in bizarro world where the Raiders look around and say, eh, we don't know if we can get this guy or whatever. I don't know. But today is a shocking day. But I think people understand it. And the phones have been great today. A lot of people making a lot of sense. You know, no quarterback has lost more games in their first nine seasons other than Archie Manning, who lost 83. Derek lost 79. Archie Manning was a great player. So's Derek Carr. A lot of that had to do with the team around them and their ability to win and be completely dialed in. Derek's played in a lot of big games in Oakland and Las Vegas, and he has a lot of records. And we, we thank Derek for that.
Yeah, um, you know, those aren't easy conversations, um, but that's the nature of the position. Um, so, uh, again, like I said, I couldn't be more complimentary of him, um, the way he handled it. I mean, this is a A1 class, class human being, um, and he's obviously meant a lot to this place for a long time. And, uh, and as I said, we'll see how this goes going forward. Um, I'm not going to sit here and predict the future, and there's a lot that could happen. And um, and we're going to take those things one day at a time. And right now, we're going to get ready for the 49ers. That's Josh McDaniels from earlier today. I'll sit down with the coach tomorrow. You'll hear that Friday, along with a really good Raiders roundtable with Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln dissected the loss in Pittsburgh, and we preview the 49ers. So last night, I had a big interview with Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Derek got involved in the conversation, but it was mostly about Tua. I don't believe he's going to play again. He's not going to play again this year. But what does the league and the Dolphins need to do to protect him? Well, here's the problem. At a certain point, it's not his call. At a certain point, he's going to have a hard time getting doctors who will clear him. That happened to Javid Best, running back of the Lions, who was a first-round pick in 2010. He entered the league with some concussion issues coming out of Cal. Had a concussion week five, I believe, 2011. Lions against the 49ers. The same game, by the way, where Jim Harbaugh and Jim Schwartz had a little meeting out at midfield after the game. After that, no job at best ever again. He never got cleared again. That's going to be one of the wrinkles. And then there's the reality that you could have the league kind of collectively decide on a wink-nod basis that we can't have on one of our teams a guy who continues to be a lightning rod for these concussion controversies. The more that you and I talk about it, the more that people talk about it, read about it, think about it, the greater the chance you're going to have parents who say, I don't want my son playing football, period. And that's a real concern. Now, is it right or wrong for the league to think that way? You could argue it's wrong. You could argue it's collusion. You could argue they're not giving them a fair chance to play. But the reality is you get that scarlet letter after so many of these, and it's hard to come back. So he's got a decision to make. There's a medical decision to be made, and there's a business decision to be made by the NFL and its teams, given the simple reality that Tua keeps having these issues and becoming the focal point of a national conversation. Mike is an attorney. What are Tua's rights going forward within the union if he gets doctors independent? And I know he's a part of the Dolphins and the organization, but what happens if he gets shut down this year and then the offseason he says, I'm ready to go, I'm cleared, here's the knowledge behind the work I did? What is his legal rights going forward to continue to play in the league? Well, players have rights to second opinion under the collective bargaining agreement. There's never been a fight as it relates to doctors hired by the league and then the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant that is jointly hired by the league and the union, there's never been a fight between player and an apparatus put in place medically that would potentially keep a player from ever playing. So I don't know how it would play out, but at some point the union would be caught up in the middle of it because it would be the union's doctor jointly hired by the union and the league saying this guy can't play. So then you have a legal issue that wouldn't just be Tua Tonga-Vailoa versus the NFL. It'd be Tua Tonga-Vailoa versus the NFL Players Association. It could be a big mess. And the easy way out of it for the league, and this has echoes of Colin Kaepernick, even though the factual setting is completely different, there's a business decision the NFL makes that a certain player is not good for the broader endeavor that we are collectively engaged in so there's just no room at the end for him. There's no space for him. There's no job for him. And we'll come up with a football reason for it. 
And this is at least something that's closer to a football reason than Kaepernick. This is we need guys that we can count on to stay healthy, to not have concussions. And, you know, the simple reality is the physics aren't in Tua Tagovailoa's favor. He's not a big guy. It's incumbent on him to protect himself. Drew Brees protected himself. Russell Wilson protects himself. Kyler Murray protects himself against concussions. you got to protect yourself against concussion if you're a normal-sized human trying to play football at, an, at the NFL level with 300-pound guys who are really strong and really fast chasing you around. Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk. Mike, with all the news and everything that Roger Goodell has to think about going forward, where is this on his priority list, in your opinion? I'll get to Daniel Snyder coming up, the TV contracts, the important issues. It took the NFL a while to come to the table with concussions and the the alumni and the veterans of this league. Do you think this is a big priority, and he's talking about Tua around the clock with his staff? Well, look, Roger Goodell was part of the league management structure in 1994 when they created the Mild Traumatic Brain Injury Committee, which was a farce, which was an embarrassment, which spent 15 years denying and downplaying the risks of head trauma. It was when Congress called the NFL and the NFLPA to Capitol Hill back in October of 2009 that the league and the union realized, we better clean up this mess or Congress is going to get involved and clean it up for us and we're not going to like what they ultimately do. So that's one of the realities here. They've taken it seriously for 13 years now. They'll take this very seriously. But as it relates to the PR issue, I think of Paul Tagliabue, Roger Goodell's predecessor, one of his favorite sayings, all's well that ends. They just want this to get over, and they want this to move on. And they probably don't want Tua on the field again this year because they don't want another one of these concussion controversies. And then the question becomes in the offseason, what kind of decisions do the Dolphins make about the quarterback position, about Tua's future, and will there be a job for him somewhere else if he becomes stigmatized by this constant involvement in concussion controversies? Mike Florio joins us. So, Mike, since we last talked, and as we go from a Democrat to a Republican House, what changes with Daniel Snyder? What came out of Congress? Bruce Allen, the John Gruden emails. I believe there's enough owners, if you took a vote, to remove Daniel Snyder. But, again, you're the only guy brave enough to constantly talk about this or bring it up, as everybody else in NFL media seems to put this to the side. Where do we stand on Daniel Snyder today? I appreciate what you're saying. I think you may be overstating a little bit. I just don't want to keep my mouth shut and act like I agree with it 100%. There are other voices out there that bang the drum. I probably do it more than I should for my own best interest, but that's okay. I've made my money. If they kick me out, I think I'll make it. But and I, I say that only somewhat facetiously because you never know what's going to happen if you bang the drum just loudly enough for the NFL's liking. But here's the, here's the end result. He's already decided he's going to sell the team. He's looking for buyers. People believe that he's genuinely serious about doing it. So all this other stuff is detail. And I submit that at the league meetings that happened a couple of weeks ago, the owners should have said to Tanya Snyder, who was there on behalf of the team because Daniel was still on double secret probation. I still don't know what his status is. I don't think anybody knows what his status is, but he doesn't go to the meetings. They should have said to her two things. In March, we're taking a vote. And the vote is either going to be to approve the buyer of your team or to activate the process to compel you to sell. You choose which vote we're going to take in March. That's what the message should have been. And maybe that was communicated to her in subtle terms. I don't know. But Friday of last week was the deadline for the bids to be made. There was a report from Forbes that multiple bids were well north of $7 billion. If he's getting $7 billion for a team that he bought 
along with the stadium for like eight, nine hundred million 23 years ago. That's a nice little return on the investment. Mm-hmm. Time to cash out, time to move on and time to sail around the world on your yacht and not constantly be in the middle of controversies of your own making. I mean, they step on rakes everywhere they go from the Sean Taylor Memorial to this issue with the hogs. And they're going to have the mascot and the original hogs are going to sue for copyright infringement. I mean, everything he tries to do, he steps in it. So step off and enjoy your life, enjoy your money and live out the rest of your days in relative tranquility. We're wrapping it up with Mike Florio. Were you impressed with owner-CEO Greg Penner, the way they handled the Nathaniel Hackett firing? Well, it got to the point where it wasn't sustainable. I think they really wanted to get to the end of the year because they didn't want to be the latest team to have a coach who failed to get through his first season. There's only been five now since the merger, and we've had two in consecutive years, Urban Meyer in 2021, Nathaniel Hackett this year. I don't know how George Payton isn't getting more scrutiny because he's the one who traded for Russell Wilson and paid him. If they just hadn't given him the contract, they'd have an easy out here. They're stuck with Russell Wilson. We broke this down in an item through 2023. It'll be a significant cap consequence in 24, but there's another reason to move on from him by March of 24. He's got like $37 million that becomes fully guaranteed the fifth day of the league year in March of that month. That's just 15 months away. So I think one more year, see if they can fix him. And if they can't, you just pull the Band-Aid off and you move on. I'd be tempted to just pull the Band-Aid off now. But you'd be looking at $107 million in dead cap money that would probably be spread between two years. It'd be 22 and 23 and 87 and 24. Good luck putting a competitive team on the field with $87 million in dead money under one guy's name. So I think it's one more year with Russ. And we'll see what they can do. But it's not like they have a choice. The coach they hire, that's going to be critical. And I said, hey, Daryl Bevel was his coordinator in Seattle when he was playing his best football. Why not get him on the staff one way or the other, either as the head coach or as the offensive coordinator? Mike, last one. Could we have a load management issue at the end of the NFL season going forward where certain teams don't want to see a player get injured so they don't want to play them and owe the contract the following year? Could we see a point where teams are out of it? It's almost like a bowl game where we're going to rest the starters with two or three games left if there's so much on the line going forward with the legalities of a contract. You've got multiple layers and levels of this. You've got the Colts putting Matt Ryan in bubble wrap because he's got $17 million in injury guarantees that become fully guaranteed if he can't pass a physical in March. You've got Derek Carr with $40.4 million in injury guarantees that become full guarantees if he can't pass a physical by early February if they've made the decision to move on from him. If they bench him for Week 18 or Week 17 for that matter, they're still alive, though. There's no reason to now. But once they're eliminated, if they pull them off the field, that's a pretty strong clue that we're not going to see Derek Carr. And then, JT, you've got the teams like the Eagles if they clinch the one seed you rest starters. The teams that can't really improve their playoff positioning, like the Cowboys, once they lock in at the five seed, once the division title is off the table, what do you do? This week you've got both the Titans and Jaguars in meaningless games because AFC South is going to be determined week 18 one way or the other. Thursday night, the last Amazon game of the year, it looked great all year. Cowboys at Titans could be a bunch of Titans backups. So taking away that Mm. second bye has created, I think, an unintended consequence of teams that know where they are on the playoff tree and they're taking that by they're taking that week off by resting their players near the end of the year so there's all sorts of issues like that it comes up almost every year and there really isn't anything that can be done about it other than get through the games and get to the postseason get to the offseason and move on to 2023 
Happy New Year, Mike. I'll see you at the Super Bowl. Thanks for everything this year. I really Great appreciate you, it. Pal. Happy New Year to everybody. So that was Mike Florio. I had him on last night, and that was before the Derek decision today. And he mentioned about the guaranteed money, as Mike said. And, and Mike thought he'd be playing. That's Mike Florio, the most connected guy out there, the guy on Sunday Night Football. He thought Derek would be playing, and that's changed since I talked to him last night. But he had a lot of good information there about what's happening in the load management in the NFL going forward. Daniel Snyder. What's going to happen with Tua? I didn't expect this two weeks ago, but I expected to talk about Tua. And think about this. If the Raiders beat Baker Mayfield and Kenny Pickett, Tua's not playing the rest of the year. The Raiders got to seven, in my opinion, but they would have had to beat the Niners and the Chiefs. And a lot of people don't think that would have happened. I did. I was optimistic that they could do it. Now they'll turn the ball over to Jared Stidham. If the Raiders were above the law, it was because their coach refused to lay down one. We had no rules. There's no rules. I mean, did show up and play your hardest. John would preach that, and we would do it. These are the greatest athletes in the world. They're like artists. And if you take their creativity away from them by making them robotic, then, then they're going to play like robots. But if you give them individuality and if you give them some freedom then they can be and play uh, the way they are coach madden died a year ago today everybody's paying tribute to coach madden go to raiders.com see all the social media as bill williamson joins us been covering the raiders longer than anyone in this town and bill i'm just going to wind you up and let you go give me your big picture on the benching of Derek carr well, J.T., well, you know, um, I didn't know what to expect today. I mean, I guess it made common sense, but it's just jarring that it's happened, you know? I mean, this is a this is a nine-year tenor that is looking like it's coming to the end. Now, look, it, this is the very beginning of this. For right now, it's two games. For right now, the coach said there's nothing final in the decision, and I believe that to a point. Mm-hmm. But this certainly sets the stage for Derek Carr to be leaving Las Vegas. And anything can happen. You know, look at Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco this year. You know, the writing was on the wall there until it wasn't. So, again, anything could happen. But, boy, it sure does look like this is the end. And and I think what, to me, is jarring as well is the fact that he's inactive, that it's Mm -hmm. over. He won't wear a ring uniform for the rest of this season and again likely forever i guess it makes sense if you're going to bench him and to do it all the way but wow that sure is a message you know bill what gets to me here on this i'm just wondering if they would have beat baker mayfield and Pickett and the kyla murray collapse we wouldn't be here i think I, the path was pretty simple to come into the Niner game tied with the Dolphins. Because I thought I got that right. One of the things I got right, and I don't bet, I saw the wheels coming off the Dolphins and the Raiders on the tiebreaker over New England. they be ahead of the Jets and everything else here. So this game shoulda, coulda, woulda been, all right, it's going to be a tough game, but it's Carr versus Purdy. And I would have went into the torch in the pregame show thinking the Raiders could have won. Even though the Niners are better, with Carr with an elimination game on the line and a real path to the playoffs, I like the Raiders coming into this game. I think they would have played their hearts out to try to get a win. 
Yeah, you're talking about had had they they had he yeah. played? Or no, had had they, they won the games that they collapsed in. Yeah, that well, that sure that's the key. These games, you know, Derek probably would have been in this position. I think they would have let him play, but if he did get hurt, but Derek would have played through. It would have been playing, man, to Kansas City, and I think after the loss to Pickett and the Baker Mayfield game, probably the conversation started that we can't afford for him to be injured in play in these games that don't matter because we got to have trade value for him, unlike what the Niners had with Jimmy Garoppolo. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, that's all part of it. That, you know, they, they play their games at 6-9, and nine. that's who they are, and he's played a, a role in them being 6-9 for sure. Um yeah, it's just, it's all very unexpected. Um, and another thing, and, and you may disagree with me, but mm-hmm. I was a little, one of the reasons I thought he might play this week and this may happen next week is because they actually still have a heartbeat. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. faint heartbeat, but it's still a heartbeat. You, you talked about the Dolphins being a mess. And, you know, if they lose and if the Jets lose, and the Jets are just a, a slight favorite mm-hmm. in Seattle, and the Raiders were to win over the 49ers, they'd still be alive in there to the final week. So I would think that there's, and I'm not, I'm not saying this, I, this is just speculation, I'm not saying because I know it, but I would think there's at least one player in that locker room going, why did we quit? Why, mm-hmm. We have, he's our, better, he's our best quarterback, we know that. He's struggling, he's not doing a great job, but he's the best quarterback on this roster right now. And we do have a bit of a heartbeat. Why are we giving ourselves the best chance? I would think that's going through some people's heads right now. Yeah, fair enough. Bill Williamson knows the team as good as anyone as we continue. So, Bill, we'll have time to talk with you during the offseason, but what's the big swing for the Raiders here now the car could be done? Is For you, is it a dra- high draft pick, maybe packaging what they get from Carr plus their high first-round pick to get up to number one, number two, number three, and get a guaranteed really good young quarterback who's mobile or take the big swing for Brady or a trade for Aaron Rodgers? What do you see? Yeah, I mean, you can technically do both with Brady, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, you can do that, and I think he would be okay with that because um, they do have a lot of weapons. So if you say, "Hey, we're gonna," you know, we're bringing me in, you comfortable with the the head coach, of course. I mean, that's all possible. I yeah, I can see it being. Uh, I could see it being a you know a, a veteran at least for a short term, a bridge guy, maybe a high profile bridge guy, but it may be a bridge guy all the mm. same. And maybe they go get their rookie right now. Um, you know, if, if you fall in love with somebody and you have the means to be, if they draft number seven or so, seven or eight, and they, like I said, they can package that car capital, they, they can move up very high to get a, a, a young or a Stroud. And I, I think that's a real possibility. It's all open. Today's news has opened the floodgate on all that speculation. And we're going to be talking about it like crazy. And yeah, and it's all very real and it's all very possible. And it's just, it's going to be fascinating. I mean, we've been here for a long time with Derek Carr's future, and now it finally looks like it's not just going to be, you know, media-driven speculation. Last one, real quick one, as we're up against it. I think some teams are going to back off and not trade for Carr because they think they could get him as he's released, and other teams are not going to want to do that. They're going to want to trade. So I find this fascinating, Bill. Say this. I think there's seven teams that I have written down who could get an upgrade with Carr. It only takes one to make a trade and give the Raiders a first-round pick. It might be two or three, but I don't think all teams are going to wait for Carr to be released. Do you see it that way? 
Yeah, you're probably not. And, you know, uh, as I wrote my reaction post, I, I was typing these teams' names, and I kept typing and typing, you know, these names. I think I had, like, 11 names, 11 teams. So, yeah, that's going to help the Raiders. That's going to help Carr, because I think he's going to be part of these conversations because he does have a no-trade cost. But one thing, and again, it's early, he has said on multiple occasions he can't see himself wearing another uniform. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe he walks at the age of, uh, of 32. You know, I mean, hey, I covered the Broncos. They, they, they benched Jake Plummer. He was pissed at him. They tried to trade him in the next offseason, and he quit. It's happened before. Who knows? And this is the guy who has said it. Yes. So there's no, there's no guarantees here. You're right about that. He said it. Bill, Happy New Year. Thanks for everything you do for me. You've been outstanding this year. We'll talk to you in the new year. Happy New Year, JT. Take care. Bill Williamson. Uh, follow him and all the work that he does. At Bill Williamson, he's very strong with his Raider content, and there's a lot of it out there. So give him a follow. Very interesting show today. Again, it's it's. I don't know how to how I feel right now as I drive out of here. I interview the coach tomorrow. It's just it's interesting. It's not a gut punch. The losses are gut punches more, but I really feel for Derek Carr. Empathy for him. He's done very well in his life and career. I don't know what the next chapter is going to bring. Because I have no idea what the next chapter is. If you tell me what the next chapter is, I can put together an opinion pretty quickly. But the Niners are what we'll focus on tomorrow and Friday as we get rolling here. I don't even know what day it is. So Yeah, it's Wednesday. Thanks, Bobby. Thursday, my interview with the coach, which will air on Friday. And some good guests coming up there. We'll stay on our 49er preview and talk about the future of the Raiders as Derek Carr will not be on the field the next two games. Thanks to Bobby. All the guests, too many to mention. Your phone calls were great today. Q was at the press conference. He's coming up next. Good to go. All right. Thank you.